0: Hi, I'm Jordan Hernandez, and this is Just Start Podcast. Thank you so much for clicking play. Today we have Larissa Salvador, originally from Brazil, and now she's an attorney. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me today. I'm really excited about this.
0: So are we. Um, And I have a whole slew of questions. Um, Now, before we get into the actual uh, interview, we do have a word from our sponsors. We have a couple of uh, gift cards here from Chick-fil-A, Uber Eats and Delivery Dudes, Del, Ray. We're still working on Boca Raton. So for those of you who submitted questions to us, thank you. We're going to go through four or five and we have students who are going to be calling in, parents who are going to call in. And for those of you who did, you're receiving a gift card. That's a win. (laughs) I may only have four followers, two being my uh, my mom and my uh, grandmother. Thank you very much, ladies. But uh, the other two of you are getting gift cards. So tell your friends. So anyway, let's uh, let's, let's do it. Um, Larissa, tell us a little bit about where you're from.
1: Um, so I'm originally from Rio, mm-hmm. and um, I personally believe it's the most beautiful city in the whole entire world. Rio Rio, okay. Uh, in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look it up. It's beautiful. I've seen pictures. (laughs) Uh, The beaches are beautiful Mm. and I actually came to the U.S. with my family when I was 11. 11. And now I've been in the U.S. for uh, almost 20 years.
0: 20 years. Yeah. Wow.
1: So now I'm officially in the U.S. over half of my life.
0: If you didn't tell me I uh I would have never known that you were probably from Brazil. I don't I don't hear an accent.
1: Most people have no idea. Um, actually, weirdly enough, most people either think that I am African American hmm. or they think I'm either Dominican or from one of the islands. Ah, uh, okay. And then I get, which is a very weird question. Some people be like, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, I'm from Brazil. And they're like, oh, you're... You're not black.
0: You know what's funny? <laughs> um, I, had, I had a student, U uh, uh, D or U-G, right? U-D-I. And uh, he's from Sao Paulo, and mm-hmm. he has a Japanese... Uh, Background. He, yeah, he's a Japanese-Brazilian. Mm-hmm. And we have a friend, actually, in New York City. She's, um, she's a banker. And um, uh, is it Tati? Yeah, Tati. She's from there, too. She's a Japanese-Brazilian. So I don't know if There's that's like
1: a... There's tons. Actually, um, Brazil is the second biggest Japanese colony outside of Japan. Really? Yeah. Wow. We have a lot of Japanese, especially in Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo is a huge hub Mm. for Japanese and you get tons of Japanese, Brazilians right there. They have some of the best Japanese restaurants in Brazil. They're all in Sao Paulo.
0: That sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. I have like one friend that owns one of those restaurants there and it's like amazing. Really? It's really good. Oh, that sounds great. (laughs) We're gonna have to go. You have to. You absolutely have to.
0: Seriously. Um, (laughs) But go
1: to Rio first. Actually, go to Sao Paulo first, eat, and then vacation in Rio. Because you don't want to vacation in Sao Paulo because it's not cool. No. It's just, it's like a concrete jungle. Got it. Like New York City, but not as cool as New York City.
0: Okay, so Sao Paulo is (laughs) like a New York City, super spread out. Yeah. And then, uh, and super business. Okay, super business. Yeah, and, and they then, think that
1: us Carriacas, because that's yeah, what they call that's right. somebody from Rio. Rio
0: Cariacas. Yeah. yeah. So they
1: think that we're lazy and that we don't want to work. That's not it. Mm-hmm. It's just that after work we go to the beach.
0: Yeah, you just your beach bumps, your surfers. Yes. You do all like you probably go hiking. Along uh, with the full time That's top where top. that's where they have the uh, the statue.
1: Yeah. The Christ.
0: Christ Redeemer. Uh huh. That is so cool. Up
1: on the top.
0: Up on the top. That's neat. Yeah, that makes me want to go to Brazil. I I remember when they had the FIFA Cup, and that was when I first really, like, I always heard of Brazil, right? Um, But when they had the FIFA, I was like, oh, wow, these cities are nice.
1: Oh, yeah. And it is a beautiful country. Mm. It is truly, truly beautiful. Uh, Like any other country we have, or bad things, Mm -hmm. and sometimes pretty bad. But the beauty, it's just... Phenomenal. So, no. That's awesome. And the Brazilian people, I mean, I may sound biased because mm-hmm. I'm Brazilian, yeah. but it's truly a fact. And all my friends that are Americans have told me Brazilian people are just super warm. Yeah. So when you get there, it's just like, we want to invite you to get coffee. Right. Uh, if you're at the beach, we want you to hang out with us. Mm-hmm. And it's just a family, everybody's friends type of vibe, you know?
0: So before we get into some questions that we have here uh, from our listeners, uh, about you being an attorney. I want to hear more about your story just because we're talking about uh, where you're from. Um, Can you just like walk me through the welcoming aspects of Brazil? Because I'll be honest, when I moved from New York to Florida, I was inundated with Brazilians and Colombians and uh, uh, the Haitian community. And it's, it's enriching. It's cool uh, to kind of see the differences, right? Um, It's a, it's a melting pot. But with, uh, with the Brazilians, I learned two years ago, with some of my student leaders um, that it's very like family oriented. Extremely family oriented. So like the families all know each other. Yes. And I found that when I, you remember, we, we saw two students who were hurt yeah. and we went to the hospital and you helped with translation. Mm-hmm. I was kind of talking with the doctor and after that, I'll never forget this. One of the the parents, he invited, uh, I don't know if you were there or not. He invited us over for like dessert. Yay. Okay. The whole family was there. I like, I walked in. I you know. I told my wife. I'm like, hey, I'm going over to uh, you know the students, uh, the parents' place, and just to see how they're doing because they were laid up. Right. Mm-hmm. They had a they had a motorcycle accident, and so the, they had all these treats, yes. desserts. Yeah. They had they had the neighbors and over. Bread. Right.
1: Ham and cheese. Right.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: And butter. Right. Yep.
0: And it was so funny because they were calling me Chew Chew, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting, and I later found out. <laughs> That that just, uh, like in Spanish, Tio, it just means uncle.
1: Yeah. It's the equivalent of unk. You know how like in slang, a lot of kids, it depends on the area. And I learned this from like my, a lot of my friends in New York. Sure. Um, they would just be like, unk, unk. And I was like, what in the name of the Lord? Is what is that? This? And it's just an abbreviation for uncle. Okay. And then for us, our teachers... Everybody in your family outside of your grandma and your cousins mm-hmm. and everybody at church. Yeah. They're all chiu Chia. Okay. And that's just a way, I don't know, it just, you just feel closer because right. it just feels like family all the time. Yeah. So I grew up, all my teachers were never like Miss So-and-so mm. or Mr. So-and-so. It was always Chia Laji, Chia Magali. Mm. That's just how you call them and that's just how you knew them mm. and... All the families know each other. Yep. Um, I remember one time when we got here to the U.S., my parents were looking to buy an apartment. Mm-hmm. And as we're looking at it, somebody across the way saw us. And they also happened to be Brazilian. Right. And they're like, oh, you guys are thinking about moving across. I'm like, yeah. They're like, Come over for coffee. And they say <laughs> Coffee. But it's not just coffee. No. No. Like, it's like a buffet. Exactly. I mean, every time I go back to Brazil yep. and I go visit my friends right. and my family friends, right. if I go to four different houses that day, mm-hmm. it'll be four different coffees right. that day, which are not coffee. Our whole entire meals with, you have breads, you have cakes, you have the coffee, right. you have juice, yep. you have pão de queijo, which is our... Yep, person, I know what that is. Balls. That's a uh, cheese
0: ball. Yep. Yep. So
1: it's just that kind of like, if you're going to come to our home and even like I grew up in the favelas in Mm -hmm. Rio Mm -hmm. and even if you go to a place in the favela, when they invite you in, Mm. they want to give you the best that they have. Right. You know?
0: You know, it's funny that you say that. I find that as as a teacher, uh, you look at different groups of people, right? Mm -hmm. And you experience them and you try to talk with them on their level. Right. Um, I had a German student and he d- he was very off put that I used humor while teaching. And he just told me, I'm, I, I don't think anyone's ever told a joke in the classroom in Germany. And I laughed because he's like, we're very serious. And very then business, very business. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad. It's just different. It's yeah. unique. And you learn that and you take that in. Right. Um, but I do find that with the Brazilian community, uh, with some of my like uh, Spanish speaking countries and their communities, uh, heck, and you even like depending on where you grow up from, like upstate New York where I'm from, you know, I I grew up American, it has a similar vibe. But with the Brazilians, it's very family knit. You always know where you stand with them. Oh yeah. And when you win <laughs> when you win them over, it's it's amazing because they'll they'll do anything for you.
1: We will move heaven and earth. And it's funny because um all of my friends that I've had till this day, especially the ones that I made like in middle school and high school, mm. my American friends they know my family, my parents, my they to my parents, mm-hmm. they are their kids. Yeah. And right. my mom, especially coming from Brazil and especially coming from Rio, we were never allowed outside. Mm. You know, because in my neighborhood we had to deal with like shootouts outside oh. and wow. stray bullets and things like that. So we never got to be outside playing with the other kids and things like that. Yeah. But then here my mom would also not let us go anywhere, mm-hmm. but she would have all of my friends over. Right. And to this day, my friends know my mom used to make this chocolate cake, which mm. we will call it crack cake because it was like the best chocolate cake <laughs> in all of Boca Raton. And my mom, every time my friends were over, mm. she would just make sure to put the best. She would make lasagna for us mm. and there was chocolate cake and there's all types of soda. So it was the hub for my friends and especially my friends that came from split households. Right. That was where we all were. That was And it. that's where they felt at home. And it was the same for my brother's friends. Mm. They would all be there. Yeah. And they knew my parents would feed them all right. and love them as right. if they were their own.
0: That's amazing. And I'm glad you brought that up because we have some questions here, but, um, side note, I grew up in a very similar situation where my parents were together. Right. And my father's hundred percent Puerto Rican. His, uh, Parents uh, didn't speak any English for many, many years. Worked multiple jobs. My dad's the youngest of seven children, and so he, yeah, (laughs) I know. And uh, God bless my mita. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like they had that family vibe where we were the house in the neighborhood. That Mm -hmm. my dad got home from work, and he he owned a flooring company. Uh, Kids would come over. They knew it was five o'clock. Rick was, you know, Rick was going to be there, and we played football in the backyard. We played sports together my mom would uh, have dinner ready to go or hot chocolate if it was in the winter because this is upstate New York and it just felt like we had a revolving door you know um especially
1: for kids it's like kids that's they might not know it but that's what they want they want a warm place that they can feel a part of right and feel like where is my place in this family you know
0: yeah, because they're all looking for that. And like you said, if you have friends from split homes or maybe their parents are together and it doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, that's uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I think that's really neat that uh, your mom had that in your community.
1: So this, and it's funny because we now, especially me, I'm in the habit. Like my house mm. is always open. So always, I love hosting. Yes. So I love making dinner Mm -hmm. inviting my friends Mm -hmm. uh two weeks ago we had a uh not two weeks ago before all of this yes this quarantine so weird time (laughs) um i had like tons of my friends Mm -hmm. and we'll just play the guitar Mm. and we'll sing that's great and then you have a group of people over there doing talking about something else and then Mm -hmm. we'll play a game and Mm -hmm. and it's just this constant idea of Number one, what brings families together is food. Right. So we always have the food. Yeah. And then the second thing is like music. Yeah. So we always have music. That's cool. You know, it's just, it just not sense. It yeah. always just makes sense.
0: Right. This is a good uh, plug actually for our next sponsor, which is We Dine Together. Okay. I started that a couple years ago with some students. My wife runs the second biggest chapter um, at Spanish River High School. Shout out to the Sharks and the Bobcat community. If you don't know it, look it up. Samantha Hernandez, Teacher of the Year at Spanish River. Everybody needs to know it. Go tell your friends. So, um, Larissa, you're from Rio. Uh, Rio de Janeiro? Rio,
1: Rio G, G. Janeiro.
0: Rio G. Janeiro. Yes.
1: January Rivers.
0: Yep. Rio. Oh, so it's like, instead of Recife, it's Recife.
1: Recife. 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 Yeah. Hey Okay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Recife is not as great as Rio, but yes, Recife. It's a close <laughs> second or
0: third. It's a close second or third. I've learned a couple things, right? Uh, Oi, bom dia, todo bem. Uh, Como vai, irmã?
1: Mm-hmm. Irmã, yeah. Irmã? And a very important, if you're going to go to Rio, mm-hmm. is to say, like, beleza. Beleza? Mm-hmm.
0: Tô de boa. Tô de boa? Yes. Okay. He's
1: like, I'm good. I'm good. You know? I
0: learned uh, from a student, actually. Uh, he told me, Mr. H, and he's like... Uh, he's first generation American and he just moved here from uh, Brazil. And his name uh, is Victor. And he just goes, because I would always be like, Ermo, Ermo, when he came walking in. He goes, It's funny because when you say that, it reminds me when, when I was in Brazil and I hear someone say, Ermo, Ermo, I run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're
1: coming for your wallet, <laughs> <Yeah>, Right,
0: <laughs> exactly. Because Ermo just means brother. It's like hermano, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it just means brother. It's like, hey, bro, bro, come here. And then he just takes off.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> never, never answered that call.
0: I'm learning. Uh, I'm learning. Right? Unless,
1: your, unless you are at your own house or your grandma's house, That's you don't, answer the call.
0: don't answer that call. Don't no. answer that call. If you're at your, your, your pie, if it's your pie,
1: exactly. it's you, it's okay.
0: Um, so Larissa, uh, walk us through this. You, you moved to the U.S. when you were 11? Yes. And you're from Rio. You start school at 11. Walk us through that.
1: So, when I first moved here with my family, we lived in California. So, we moved to LA. Oh. And I was told that I was going to go to Disney. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> that did not happen until I was 17, sir. Mm. Um, But we moved to LA. We lived right by UCLA. Wow. And to me, I mean, everything was different. Everything was new. Um, mm. I tried donuts for the first time. Huh. Glaze became my favorite um and the food was completely different mm. they had a um this place called pollo loco okay and it was like fried chicken but spicy mm. and the first day that we got there um i hadn't seen my dad in almost two years because he came first and when we got there we we're excited i mean i've been missing my dad and he takes us to this restaurant mm-hmm. but he's been here so he's used to the food mm. so we take a bite of the chicken and it's so spicy and it, we don't do spicy in Rio. So my brother and I are like crying because oh, this thing is way too hot. <laughs> and that was like the beginning of my relationship with my America, you know? It was like yep. too hot. I'm not used to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we started going to school, mm-hmm. Palms Middle School. That's where I went. Mm-hmm. I got skipped from fifth to seventh grade when I moved here. Uh, don't ask me how. I mean, I know I'm smart, you but I advanced. didn't. I was not aware of how that was going to play out because in Brazil, I had just started fifth grade. So we started school and my dad made it, he always made it very um, important that learn as many languages as you can. Mm. So when I got here, I spoke zero English. Wow. Uh, I did uh, what we call uh, CAA, which was like an English course in Brazil. Mm -hmm. But it was the basics. I mean, high, bi, colors. (laughs) And even then... Like
0: taking a Spanish class here.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's useless almost. Because unless you practice it, you're right. just learning the things mm-hmm. out of context and out of the culture. So right. you don't even understand yeah. all that's going on. So my the first language that I learned was actually Spanish. Because in California, you either speak Spanish or your English is also useless. Because that's... Like, honestly, Spanish is California's language. Yeah. Kind of like South
0: Florida in parts.
1: Exactly. It's like Mm Halia. you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, first I learned Spanish fluently Mm. and then I learned English. Okay. So all of that happened in a span of like, uh, my Spanish was perfect in three months. And then within the first year that I was here, my English was like improving and improving and improving. improving.
0: In the fifth or seventh grade, whatever it was in that same year. Exactly. Wow.
1: Wow. What I would do is because I'm the oldest, I felt very responsible for my family. Mm. So when I got home from school, my dad used to have this English book and I would come home, I would read it. I Mm. had a dictionary. I would Mm. go through the words. I would do the exercise. And that was like not part of my schoolwork. And then I would watch this one telenovela that was going on in like Univision, Mm. which was from Brazil, but Mm -hmm. they were showing in Spanish. And at the time that I was touring Brazil, my mom didn't let me watch it. So that was my chance. Okay. So I watched that one. And then after that, I would just watch TV in English.
0: Way to go, dad.
1: So so I was watching my telenovela in Spanish. And I I tell people this all the time. I learned English watching Friends, Mm -hmm. Seinfeld, and Frasier.
0: Classic, <laughs> classic. Can you actually walk us through a little bit? Because you said that you learned the differences in humor yes. between like the American type of humor, uh, a little stiff and rigid, I guess, or sarcastic, and then the Brazilian,
1: type which of... is like you're just roasting everybody. And people actually say that Cariocas, we w- we will lose a friendship, but when we we will not miss the joke opportunity. <laughs> like it just will not happen. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, how I learn is that I would watch these shows and I kid you not. I would literally laugh when they laughed <laughs> like I would just I would just laugh because I'm like this must be really funny, so I'm going to laugh oh now. <laughs> like when they
0: dub in the the yeah exactly. so like Jerry Seinfeld says like, "Oh, these are my shoes," and then click <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> exactly, and that's how we start because humor comes with the culture, it comes with the language right, and at times there's so much lost in translation. Mm. Because for us, after I learn English, I would sit there and I'm like, this is not funny. Right. Like, this is sarcastic. Sarcasm is not fun. Yeah. Sarcasm is hurtful. But roasting is fun. But roasting. <laughs>
0: like, they literally have a Comedy Central roast.
1: Exactly. I'm like, that, that builds character. <laughs> that builds character.
0: <laughs> That's funny.
1: So it was a little bit weird at first because... Um, Even in Friends, um, it took me a while after I learned English to get like, this is funny because of the cultural background. Right. You know, Uh, Um, this is funny because this has happened in American history that now it has become something.
0: Yeah, it's funny like. Seinfeld, uh, The Office, which came oh, yes. after, obviously, it's mm-hmm. really built around irony. Like, oh, this, everything's so ironic, and like you had like pseudo intellectuals who really liked it. You had like the hipsters who liked it, exactly. And then, you know what I mean? Like, then you have young kids who watch The Office and they find it hysterical because it is. It's very indirect. First of all,
1: The Office is great because it's literally a bunch of people that you're kind of like. You're kind of saying something, but you're kind of not. But you're kind of saying something, but you're kind of not. Right. But then the people that are watching, you're getting what they're saying. And that would be funny if the other person also got it. Right. You know?
0: <laughs> it's it's so relatable because you can even be a student in school. Like, it was 2007 oh, yeah. or eight when it first came out. I was watching it with my friends remember, after school. I
1: was graduating from Boca
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> what up, Bobcats? Yeah. Um... No, but seriously, I remember watching it and laughing because I, you think you think about these things all the time, but you don't say anything. Exactly. Like you're in class, and someone's like speaking, and they're like speaking for too long, and the point's been made, and you're just like,
1: "Oh, oh no, no, no! This happened." It's a student, you know. All the time, and it happened to me in law school. Oh. And th- there used to be a friend of ours, and he his nickname was K9.
0: Okay. And it's in, intense.
1: It is very intense. Um, in class, I will never forget uh-huh he would raise his hand
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he would like propose a theory or an idea that was completely outside too <laughs> far-fetched from what we're doing or sure. talking or whatever yeah and i'm the type that i'm very listen bruh i'm gonna let you know yep. like so it got to a point that as soon as he would raise his hand we're like no bro no Just- you know what you want to ask that question you can ask it on your own time you're not, exactly. Because you're not about to take my tuition time to go outside of this like whole problem and then mess up my final. This is not happening. Right. This is not happening. America education is very expensive. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You are there for every dime. Exactly. Your name is not on the wall. No. His name is on the wall. I'm paying okay, <laughs> him, not you. Just to sound <laughs> off about, uh, I don't even know, e- economics. <laughs>
1: And then people were like, Larissa, you just said it. Well, we were all thinking, like, yes, okay? I am the sitcom that will say what you're thinking.
0: That is funny. So that, so that was, when did that start for you? When did you start to become, like, when did you start to become confident in your English and in who you were, like, growing up?
1: So I became more confident with my English my freshman year of high school.
0: Okay.
1: And by my by my sophomore year of high school... I was already in English honors. Wow, Yeah, big jump. So, but to me that was important. Mm-hmm. Because especially coming from an immigrant household, mm-hmm. knowing the struggles that my parents were going through, being undocumented, which at that time it hadn't fully dawned on me what that was. Right. I was like, no, I have to make it work because I'm the oldest mm-hmm. and like it or not, regardless if parents know this or not, when they move here, one of the things that parents will say a lot is, I'm moving here to give my family a better future. So to a kid's subconscious, Mm -hmm. that means i it's, oh my God, it's my fault that they're here. And you're seeing your parents struggle. So you kind of just carry this way that you put on yourself, because your parents don't, to be the best that you can be in what you're doing. And to me... That was it. Mm. It was with Spanish. It was with English. When I was in high school, I took Sp- um, French. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I did Italian on the side. So today I have five languages. Wow. Because in my head, I was like, no, I have to make sure that all the sacrifices that my parents are making mm. are completely worth it in my future right. so that I can pay it back.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think that's relatable because a lot of the people that are listening, um, whether they're American-born like me... Um, Or they've moved over from another town and they feel like you know that in itself is like a new language oh absolutely you know absolutely they're trying to figure themselves out now it sounds like you had a close-knit family and they you know they put boundaries in place and then you had an expectation that you had to live up to but you know what about some of the people that don't have that parental support
1: um I think I think especially nowadays the people that are around you outside of your family make a huge difference mm-hmm. but then it's also kind of a catch-22 because you as a kid what is really the the guy that you have to figure out who is a good company who isn't a good company and what am I doing what do I want are they gonna be good influences are they not gonna be good influences mm-hmm. um, but to me and even like with my brother The people that we had around us always made a huge difference, Mm. and I think regardless of how old you are, you always know which one are your troublemaker friends, and which one are your nerd friends. Let me tell you something: your nerd friends are gonna be CEOs, and your nerd friends Mm -hmm. are gonna be hiring you to work for them. The cool kids. So (laughs) the ones with personality that can be like a consultant. Exactly, exactly. So to me, it was always important: like who was around me, like who was my crew, and. So on my right wrist, mm-hmm. I have this tattoo. I got it done. Um, I got it done in February, and people are like, "Oh, why did you get it?" And I've wanted it since I was nineteen. Cool. And I'm thirty now, so it took me a long time to actually get it. <laughs> um, and people are like, "Why did you get uh, this?" Is a wolf. They're like, "Why did you get a wolf?" And I was like, "I got a wolf because I believe in my pack. Like I'm a pack girl." Mm-hmm. I believe in teamwork. Yeah. I believe in interdependency. Yeah. You know, I don't need to be independent and I don't need to be codependent, right. but when you you have strengths mm-hmm. and you get together with people that also have strengths and you guys focus on that instead of undercutting each other because of each other's weaknesses, yeah, you can only go forward. Wow. You can only grow. Yeah. And today I have a group of friends that mm-hmm. we've been friends since high school. We all went to Boca High. That's terrific. We all were in ROTC. Mm. And we we made plans since we were 14. Mm. Some of us came from very tough backgrounds. Uh, mom with problems, dad not in the picture. Uh, mom working all the time. Both parents in the house but working all the time. And even back then, we would sit around and just talk about what what do we want to be when we grow up, you know, like this growing up that people keep talking about. We get to
0: dream together.
1: Exactly. And believe it or not today, every single one of us is doing the thing that we had dreamed about. And throughout this journey of almost 15 years now, uh, (laughs) (laughs) we always supported each other. Right. You know, Mm. Um, I have a friend that he wanted to be an accountant. Today, he's a CPA, you know, shout out to my big brother, because he's like a big brother to me, Tony, Hmm. and he just got his CPA, he passed all the steps and everything else, you know, shout out to my other big brother, Eddie, because he did it, (laughs) exactly, he did it his own way, he was like, he started school, he wasn't sure what he wanted to do, and then he got into marketing, and now he owns his own marketing company, he promotes products for Toyota, he promotes, you know, like... He did it, you know, yeah. I had another friend that he wanted to be into law enforcement. He did it. And mm. since I was 16, I took a law class at Boca High and I wanted to be a lawyer and that's what I am today, you know? So that core, those friends made a huge difference mm. for me staying on track because don't get me wrong. My parents have always been super supportive and super present, yeah. but you don't tell your parents everything, right? You're not always forthcoming with re- what really is going on in your life, Right. and if you don't have someone, a teacher or your friends that you can go to and have these conversations, right. it becomes harder. And yeah. we literally used to sit around and have what we call tribal meetings.
0: Tribal meetings with to the make
1: pack. yeah to make big decisions about like when I decided that I wanted to go to law school, mm-hmm. we all sat around and we talked about it. Yeah, and we talked about what school I wanted to go, and we talked about at the time I wasn't legal, so how could I do the steps to be able to go to law school? Because, okay, Larissa, you're gonna spend all this money in law school, but are you gonna be able to practice because you're not a resident? You don't have a social, and how is this all gonna? And -hmm. we would just sit and hash it out, and we would just talk about it, Mm. and. That has made a huge difference in my life mm-hmm. because they've been the people that have been at all my graduations, they've been at all my events, right. They were there when I did my office inauguration, they they just were there at my you know wedding, yeah. they've been there a hundred percent, and I've been there for them a hundred percent. And that's my pack, yeah. You that's, your,
0: that's your pack. You guys do life together,
1: we totally do life, and you have to like. You have to find people to do life with. Yeah. You know? Hmm.
0: And you know, it's funny, like, I'm around a lot of college-level kids, uh, given my job, and and even high school, and I can just picture them listening to what you're saying and and just being like, that sounds incredibly foreign to me. Um, And not because of any language difference, but just because you can see some of these kids hang out, and they're just... You know, <laughs> they're just they're just like DMing each other in, in, From in, a, in, in a Snapchat, <laughs> and and they're just and it's just constant. Yeah, um, I just had a mom call me this morning, and we were talking, and uh, she was talking about her her son, and she said yesterday, can you please spend some time with your mom? Because hi, I'm right here, and I'm not working every day, and I want to watch a movie, but I want to talk with you first. And he she you know he, he's like okay mom, and she goes no 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 leave the phone on the charger. I just want to talk with you, right? Yeah. Like, who are you talking with? Like, do you have a girlfriend? Yes. Like, like uh, who, are you still friends with so and so that you used to run with when you were in the ninth grade? And he, she's like, Jordan. He felt uncomfortable being away from his phone for more than thirty minutes. Like,
1: and not only that, he felt uncomfortable having to say those words instead of typing it.
0: Right. Like, it's like that, he it, does.
1: He is uncomfortable with the sound of his own voice mm-hmm. because we've grown so used to not hearing it. Right. And it's becoming this huge issue because it's like, can you, mm-hmm. first of all, can you look at me? Right. Can you look into my eyes yeah. and have a conversation? It just, and you will start, he's like, where's just, my, your phone's Like, right, right. Pretend your phone is in my face. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Pretend that your mouth are the words that you're typing yeah. and talk to me.
0: Yeah. And you know, these, some of these kids, and I, I don't mean, listen, phones are great. We have phones. I'm on Instagram. I have a Snapchat, like whatever. It's not the, what is it? It's not the use of these things. No. It's the abuse of these okay. things. Like anything, right?
1: Absolutely. It's like, it. phones have become <laughs> almost as bad as cocaine. It, like... it,
0: well, the doctors say that, right? Like my wife yeah. teaches psychology. I know that sounds a little intense, but, no, but it true. gives you the same release of dopamine it's when true. you get a certain number of likes, a certain number of clicks, a certain number of views, a certain number of DMs. Yes. And it's for, I know for some of these girls and obviously like I gotta be careful but their parents are calling me and they're asking these questions and th- they don't know how to turn it off yeah they're getting all of their value from just from click from click, click, strangers click, click,
1: click. that they don't even know right. and like
0: <laughs> they don't really know what a healthy relationship looks like
1: no and then parents don't really know how to deal with it and I mean when I was in high school my parents wouldn't even give me a phone until my sophomore year that's number one Yeah. I had no phone. And number two, my phone had no camera. What? (sighs) What? No camera? No camera, bro. Nothing. There was no Instagram. Man. I did not have a thousand followers. You know
0: what we had? AOL Instant Messenger. (sighs) With creepers! Creepers. Creepers. I still remember putting up, like, my statuses and, like, copying and pasting Dave Matthews. So, like...
1: Absolutely. <laughs> songs. Because we still play. we still heard music and listened to the lyrics. Right. Then because... We had
0: to, no, illegally downloaded. Exactly. LiveWire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so many
1: viruses, live man. Wire. Yeah,
0: dial-ups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, 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 nah.
1: Terrible. But at the same time, when I would go out with my friends, we lived the moment.
0: Yes. You had to. We
1: lived the moment. And... Funny, last week, uh, I'm very close to my family, Mm -hmm. so um, we try to do stuff together, go to dinner. Mm -hmm. My dad always shows up at my office, and we go to lunch together. Oh, that's Uh, nice. Oh, yeah. I see my mom. I take her. Like We go get massages. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I have um, Sunday lunches with my brother, Mm -hmm. but even with this, Mm -hmm. there are times that we're together... And if my bo- if my brother will grab his phone, I was like, Dano, just be here. Just are just, just here. And the problem is that your brain is so accustomed to, okay, I don't need to talk to you because you're here. Right. I need to pay attention to the people that are not here. Mm. They're far away. Yeah. So I must attention to them, people? you know, and you're like, but hey, uh, when you're with them, what do you do? You're talking to the farther away people right. that are not there, Constant, you know, and last week um, I have a, I have someone that I work out with mm-hmm. and I brought my mom to uh, meet my trainer because mm-hmm. she might want to start mm-hmm. and we just, I put my phone down, I just do my thing and I do my workout, worked out with my mom, my mom almost beat me in the rain, like running, which was whoo, really difficult because I was, a I did track uh-huh. and I did cross country, so that was really hard on me. Um, impressive for your mom. Super impressive. That woman is fit, my friend. Wow. Um, but we just spent that moment. Mm-hmm. Like we just lived in that moment. And then on Saturday it was her birthday. Mm-hmm. She turned 57. She was like super excited, and we spent all day. She came here in the morning, and we cooked together because oh, nice. we we're gonna have a dinner at night with just my mom, my brother, mm-hmm. um, my dad, mm-hmm. and we just did that. Right. I put my phone down, I turn on the music, mm-hmm. I put it aside, and we just did that. Yeah. We cooked, we, um, we made banana bread, she blew out her candles, then we made a balloon drop. Nice. We, and the phone, it was just, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It just didn't matter because the people that mattered the most were there with me. Right. Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. um, when you have family, that is what you will have until the end. Yeah. You know, and I and don't get me wrong, I can't say that about everybody because not everybody has present mom, present dad, or mm-hmm. you know, you have families that you have one parent that are trying to do every job. Yeah. So it is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But when you realize who's there for you, mm-hmm. value it. Right. Because the world is so fake. Those people yeah. that are liking your pictures on Instagram don't really like you. Most of them are jealous. They are criticizing the filter that you're using. They're telling you that you're using too much makeup. Mm-hmm. They don't like where you are. Too many edits, too many Exactly. Your face. They're criticizing things that they have nothing right. to be talking about. It's your life. Honestly, and it's not even the, the post. Post whatever you want to post, okay? But understand that that does not add value to you. Right. That does not make you who you are. You cannot allow the heart shape on Facebook and Instagram to determine your worth in this world because or else you are never going to figure out who you are. You are never going to know what you're capable of doing. You're never going to know what is your actual value because you're too concerned about what so-and-so... like. You go through your stories and you're looking at who actually has viewed your story. Right. Like did yeah. you know, did homeboy finally notice my story? Right. Like did he see all right. of them next morning? You check again. Like, I wonder. Yeah. And then you use that to figure out what time they're checking your story. Yeah. Why?
0: That uh that sounds exhausting. It
1: is. It's like a full-time job and it you're is. not even in college yet.
0: And it's funny because like they're using analytical skills that they could use, not even just for opening a book, which would be great. I'm an English teacher, but like, (laughs) right. Uh, But like developing a website, like creating a LinkedIn, looking at like future jobs like you did and being like, oh, I wonder what a lawyer's really like. And oh my, there are so many lawyers. Yes. Or, you know, I want to be a nurse and like, oh, I could be a traveling nurse. There are so many
1: different kinds of nurses. There are
0: so many, there's so many kinds of nurses. Yeah. And those same analytical skills can be used for good. But again, it's not the use, right? It's the abuse and it's just... It's, it's constant and you, and you get sucked in. I know I do. Oh, all the time. An hour and a half goes by. I literally
1: like, have started to like manage my time with my phone.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's like, you know what? And it's harder for me because my job, I'm always with clients. I'm having to answer messages. Six o'clock comes. Mm-hmm. I don't answer any more of my clients. Unplug. I don't answer emails. I don't answer messages. Yeah. If you are in my house, you are mm-hmm. the one getting my time. Okay. If you're not, that is your problem.
0: <laughs> I like the concept, <laughs> by the way, where you, you're saying that, you know, um, you're home with, with people who matter, right? Or let's take let's take it a step further because some people are in difficult situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe someone who's listening to this right now. Most, most of us have some type of pack. Oh, yeah. Right, a wolf pack, a a group of friends, and we all know like one or two of them that have to Snapchat everything, have to throw it up on the Insta story, have to flex. I know that my wife is looking at me because (laughs) 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 whenever we travel, it's always you know I try to capture, and I love photography. Mm -hmm. I want to get a picture of my wife sitting on the edge of a cliff. I want to get a picture of the Eiffel right at the right angle and. Cool, you got it, and then put it down.
1: Absolutely. Then, listen, there's nothing wrong. No, no. With capturing, I believe we're not saying that. I, I believe I love pictures. I believe in pictures. I believe in freezing that moment in time. Right. But I don't do it because I care about what you're gonna think about it. Actually, somebody other some other day asked me something about my Instagram, and I was like, I don't actually post for you. Mm-hmm. I don't actually post for anybody. Mm-hmm. I post for my kids because I want to be able to tell them a story of the moments that I've had in my life and the places that I have been and the stages. Mm -hmm. That is the only reason why I post certain moments. Right. Uh, Also food. Uh, I'm a big believer in posting food pictures because mm -hmm. I want my kids to understand how much food was better before they came around. hundred percent. You know, like, so I need to be able to walk them through that. So That is way more to me an idea of a footprint Mm. to be able to show my children, my future, where I have been and where I am today, than like, oh my God, I wonder if so and so is going to like my picture. I wonder if so and so saw it. I want people. I don't care if you like it.
0: Mm -hmm. That's I don't even
1: care if you look at it. Uh It makes no difference Uh because I do this for me. Uh I don't do this for you. You know, and the same thing. When I was little, my mom was big on like trying to get me to relax my hair because Mm. especially being dark skin, being um, black for a very long time. Culturally, it's like, oh, straight hair. That's what's pretty. Mm. That's what's like, you know, wow. So this and I was I hated it from when I was a kid. I was like, nope, I'm gonna wake up. Mm -hmm. Big hair don't care. care. And I'm gonna walk out. And my mom used to lose from mine because, especially in the Brazilian culture, even if you go to the supermarket, you have to look presentable. Ah. Like, you're poor, but you're going to look presentable to go to the supermarket, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And I remember just not caring. And my mom used to die. And I would never iron my clothes. Mm-hmm. And we iron our clothes. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no. And I don't know, my mom would, like, take a picture. And I always look good. You know why? Because... I have confidence from inside out. So it's not my clothes. Mm -hmm. It's not my hair. Mm -hmm. It's not anything outside of who I am inside that's going to make that picture look good. And it's the same thing with, like, social media. People, it is not about your picture. It's not about the makeup. It's not about the filter, It's not about anything. Mm -hmm. It's about who you are. So figure out who you are outside of the likes. Yeah. And it's difficult. It hurts. Because you're going to have to have a conversation with yourself in the mirror. And it's going to go deep. Yeah. You're going to have to deal with your traumas. You're going to have to figure out why is it so important that someone else validates you mm. outside of you. Was it daddy issues? Is it mommy issues? Is it some experience they have buried deep so far deep yeah. that you didn't even remember that that has affected you this much. But that is an important conversation that you have to have. Yeah. Because or else, those likes yeah. are the things that are going to control your life. And yeah. that's no way to live. Yeah. Like, it's just not
0: You were just saying that, uh, for our listeners, that identity is not found in the number of likes that you get, the number of views on your story. Your identity and value shouldn't come from, like, the number of DMs that you get. But it is a thing, though. Yes. It is. And even for adults, you know, like, I know parents struggle with this. We struggle with this. Um, I know I constantly find my value in how people see me. Mm Mm-hmm. And how they how they feel toward me
1: I think everybody goes for some people it's a face, and then some people get stuck there mm. um, to me, because I was an immigrant, it I could never base who I was on that mm. because if I base my worth and I base my plans on how people viewed me mm-hmm. technically. I should not be where I am today. Right. Because I am all sorts of minority.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the rule is minorities don't succeed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So. Or the perception. exact. No, I am. The, the rule of perception. Got you it. know, it is not a fact. Right. But that's what we are constantly putting out there. So if you're mm-hmm. a minority, it's just not in the stars for you. Or it's going to be harder for you. Or it's this and that and the other thing. Right. You know?
0: And so it's interesting because it doesn't matter what country you're from or what language you speak, we all struggle with the value and identity, which isn't going to be just in the number of likes and, you know, the followers you have. Like, Mm -hmm. I know people are always thinking like, what's my ratio of who I'm following (laughs) versus (laughs) how many followers? Like, who cares? Like, who cares? I know some people do.
1: But like, but why?
0: But why? No, like it is pretty arbitrary. Are you
1: getting paid? Like, if your Instagram is making money, then, then bro, fine. Yes, please care about your analytics. Do you? But if you're not getting a paycheck, time is money, boo. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know. I don't understand why are you investing all this time on something that's not giving you a return that's healthy for you.
0: Yeah. What you is know? the return on investment? Exactly. You're investing so much into this. Like exactly. I have some, you know, my brother, right? He plays a lot of Fortnite. He plays a lot of video games. And Ugh. then, like, I remember. I
1: have trauma with that. Like, don't even get me started on his, video games. <laughs> yeah. I remember,
0: I remember his girlfriend just being like, Jordan, he not only plays the video games for hours, he then spends hours watching other people play yes. it on YouTube. And I'm yes. like, what?
1: Part of the demise of my first marriage was based on someone that all they did was play video games. Wow. It was so much time invested. Mm. And it was like, video games on the TV, video games on the tablet, and video games on the phone, and then video games on the computer. Right. And it's like, so where do we invest on our relationship? Like being married, Mm -hmm. uh, because you know, we are married. (laughs) Right. Uh, So you quit your job. Oh, cool. So I'm now paying all the bills. Mm. Oh, and then now you think you're the man. Oh, oh. I think we have different definitions of being a man um oops like i'm paying like
0: yeah so and that's rooted in something like we are we're we're seeing it with teenagers and early 20 somethings like what do you what do you say to you know the guy that's listening to this that may struggle with uh finding his identity solely on social media finding his identity and and value and like loving the video game life and whatever else that comes with that like what do you say to that individual
1: so It's funny because video games do teach you tons of skills. Totally. Okay. I'm not saying it's evil. No, 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 no. It teaches you skills because (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now, Call of Duty to be able to do all the things that y'all do with Mm -hmm. the eye coordination and hand on. Like the strategic, but try to find something in your real life Mm -hmm. that you can use your skills on. Right. That same skill. Mm -hmm. And we're not saying don't play video games, but learn how to manage your time. Yeah. Yeah. So tell yourself, okay, so I have a really difficult time not playing as much as I do or I need to play. Okay, cool. Sure. Give yourself an hour Try and put an alarm. Yeah. Okay. Hour comes. Try to step away from the video game and yeah. do something else. Right. Uh, I get it. Not everyone likes books anymore. Yeah. But get an audio book. Yes. Yeah. You know.
0: No, totally. And I don't
1: mean audio, why you do something else because then it's selective hearing. You're not really absorbing everything. Right. You know, but like take a break. Mhm. Do whatever. Yeah. I like to draw. So yeah. I stop whatever and yeah. I draw like Some of the paintings here at my house, both of those over there, they're mine. Like, I did those.
0: (laughs) Those are good. Thank you, sir. Yeah, those are good. (laughs) It looked like they'd be at Bed Bath & Beyond.
1: (laughs) Thank you. That was the go. But you have to tell yourself, okay. Right. And we know parents struggle today because you're you're working and you have all these things that you have to do. Right. And sometimes either the kid is with a family member or the kid's at home, so... How do you empower this kid, you know, or this mm-hmm. young adult, yeah, to have the responsibility, yeah, of okay, I have to stop and do something else.
0: Yeah, and it's finding that balance, right? Like, you know, you like for me, I when I'm trying to build something like a website, or mm-hmm. I'm trying to build a you know Instagram page that is connected to that nonprofit business, and I'm looking at the number of emails that I'm now getting in. I'm I'm, I'm looking at the the, the traction on the website, I'm uh-huh. going from a couple hundred clicks to a couple thousand clicks and that's a release. Yes. Like you created that. Yes. And we see that with like Instagram. We see that with like Snapchat. Like when you put it out there and you start to receive
1: that, absolutely of and course it's a good drug. And listen, they, once again, there is nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the balance. The balance. Because if you are doing it for the likes, yeah. then you have to take a step back and rethink like, Okay, why am I doing this for the likes?
0: Yeah.
1: How does that affect my life? How is that going to change my life? And once again, some people, because of whatever they have going on in their life or whatever experiences they have, they do need it. Right. But it is up to them Mm -hmm. to be accountable Mm -hmm. for realizing that something has happened that has made me dependent on this and I have to kind of rethink it because yeah okay so what if you're like stop yeah imagine a life without legs
0: i know how would
1: it be what would you be doing how would that affect your life how would that affect your self-worth yeah and if you don't do that kind of thing back then you just in that kind of role
0: you know i i saw um this one girl i know uh noelle and i I know her family quite well um her parents were talking about like you know taking photos when they travel and noelle was like it's funny that when I go places, if I don't get that right photo that really encompasses the trip and is well received, I feel like the trip didn't happen, or I feel like it wasn't as you know good of a trip yep. or vacation. You know, like like it almost didn't exist.
1: And it's like, but you were there. Yeah. Your family was there. Right. And you have the tickets to prove it. Yep. Money was spent. Why did that trip not happen? Right. Like, why? Yeah. You know? That's a... It is so important. I was having this conversation with my mom. This quarantine, to me, has been like a reinforcement of, I need to live in the moment. Mm -hmm. I need to be here today because tomorrow's not promised. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to be still at home. I don't know if there's going to be another disease. I don't know if the economy's going to crash. And I cannot do anything about it. Nothing. The only thing that I have control over is... Am I living today Mm -hmm. in my moment right now? Right. For example, I could not have this whole conversation with you right now. If I was thinking about all my clients Mm -hmm. that I have to send emails after this, that I have, because then I'll be distracted because then I'm not here. Yeah. My time is here. But my mind is someone else. Yeah. And it's what I was talking to my mom last week. Like we went to do the workout Mm -hmm. and I realized it's like, I've been spending time with my parents, but I have not been in the moments with my parents.
0: It's funny you say that. Uh, my wife and I were talking earlier, and there is this constant battle that, that rages within me. And I think this is definitely something that's rooted in I have a proclivity for uh, anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's funny about anxiety and depression is uh, they're very selfish disorders because it's hard to see outside of where yes. you are trapped. I
1: have the same issue.
0: So you, you, just, you have this thought all the time of I'm bad. Mm-hmm i'm 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 not enough, and I need to go and do all these things, yes, and so what happens is you get married and it brings to surface a lot of your problems, and yes. people don't like that,
1: <laughs> yep,
0: and so this filtered view of my life on you know Instagram, how I was perceived to my friends th- this post that I had, and I remember getting married and having all of that come crashing down once we were a couple months in, and it was like, who am I? yeah because. Now my wife is seeing a version of me that the world doesn't see. Yep. And for a long time, I think I I kept the the issues that I had at bay. Mm -hmm. So like the depression, the anxiety. I kept it at bay because I could get my release by performing. Absolutely. You know?
1: And we are constantly performing.
0: Constantly.
1: Constantly performing. And um, last year, I was diagnosed with PTSD Mm. uh, from my first marriage. Um, It was very abusive towards the end. And some people think that abusive relationship, you need to get beat. Like somebody needs to put their hands on you. Mm -hmm. Listen, Mm -hmm. by the time your emotional is crushed, you wish somebody would beat you up. Wow. Because the emotional takes so much longer to heal than the physical damage. Right. You know, and with PTSD... Uh, comes anxiety also and depression. I already had issues with this since I was in high school and it's what you said. It's this huge turmoil and you feel bad and you feel guilty and I remember I, I was 17 about to graduate from um, high school mm-hmm. and that was when my whole immigration status became so real to me mm. and the depression... I would just cry all the time.
0: So you were just talking about how you you you've struggled with anxiousness um it started when you were in high school and you felt a lot of pressure yes uh, from your parents you know that you wanted to perform well so that that move to a new country was worth it for them
1: oh yeah and not only that i mean i was about to complete four years of high school that i literally busted my ass yeah i mean i i graduated as a battalion captain for Boca High's ROTC. Wow! I had some of the top grades in my class. I was it. Yeah. According to the standards mm-hmm. that the education system had put in place. Yeah. I had I had so many community service hours uh-huh. that I could give the minimum to each kid uh, that was graduating with me and still have plenty. Wow. I like in my head I had done everything right. Mm-hmm. So how could I feel like everything is going to end so wrong? Yeah. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And everybody was like, well, but you know, we go through these moments all the time. Like, we don't know tomorrow. I'm like, shut up. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> because all the kids that have social security numbers and they were born in America, if they want to, they can go to college. Right. They know that they have that choice. They mm-hmm. can, you know, file for Bright Futures or, you know, qualify. Yep. for. I could have qualified if I had a social... So. All these things yeah. were so, there was just so much anxiety and I will cry all the time. And I remember one time I was in the courtyard mm-hmm. by where the guidance counselors were, Boca High. Yeah. Now they're still there. Mm-hmm. And there used to be a vending machine. Yes. I don't know if it's still there. It's still there. Perfect. So that vending machine, I almost broke. Wow. Because it was after practice, it was after drill practice And I was overwhelmed. We're getting ready to go to nationals. I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about college. Mm -hmm. Now, remember I put a coin in and my chip wasn't coming out. Okay. And that chip was like the end of me.
0: The bag of chips.
1: Oh, yeah. The bag of chips would not come out. And I remember that being the point where my friend comes and I'm literally hitting the machine crying. Wow. Because the bag of chip would just... It represented me investing all this money and all this effort at the time into something. Mm. But the bag was not going to fall down. Like yeah. I was not going to get what I wanted and what I thought I quote unquote deserve mm. from the work that I put into it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, my anxiety was at peak. And that was the first time that I had, I was 17. I had to take a step back and think, okay, this has nothing to do with what you deserve and you don't deserve Life does not work that way. Right. Are you going to work hard enough
0: mm-hmm.
1: to get it?
0: You know, it's so funny. That is a brilliant and profound metaphor. I think that's really cool. We all kind of have that moment where something's so trivial
1: Completely. and
0: like dumb and everyday and mundane is, is, is like getting like a bag of chips. And freaking out where your friend's like, dude, chill, like it's a dollar. It represents it your whole entire life at that moment. And it represents everything. Yeah. And it's so funny because that bag of chips moment, right, is I think felt, I, I've had plenty of bag of chips moments <laughs> <laughs> where it's like, what is going on? And nobody seems to understand. And, nobody. That, and that is the problem with mental health. Yep. Is you see these kids walking around, you you see these adults walk around damaged. Completely. Because no one's ever asked them the question, Are you okay? And And not only that. Listen.
1: Exactly. Because you ask sometimes, but it's kind of like, what's wrong? Yeah. But it's not, hey, what is going on? Mm -hmm. What are you thinking?
0: Because you have to dig.
1: You have to. Because most of the time when you get to that point, you don't even know how to get to the bottom of it or how to get to the actual issue. Because you're now in an overload state of layers Mm -hmm. of... Crap. Yeah. Yeah. That you haven't unpacked Uh, your boxes. It's literally like after Christmas, Mm -hmm. you separate everything into different boxes Mm -hmm. because it will make it easier for you to find things. Right. But then, Something happens. Mm -hmm. The boxes all fall. You don't know where everything goes anymore. You don't remember what was in there. You don't know. And you don't know that you need to change the lamps for some of the lights because they're broken. (laughs) You don't know because all the boxes fell.
0: It's giving me anxiety thinking (laughs) about it right now.
1: (laughs) But unless someone comes and is like, hey, do you need help like putting the stuff in the boxes? Categorizing it. Exactly. And I didn't do that until... I think it was 2015 mm-hmm. because um I had a miscarriage mm. which characterized another one of like my childhood traumas and it all just came crashing down and I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go through a therapist. Yeah. I'm gonna go to therapy. I like I need this. Yeah. And it's hard because in Brazilian culture, and I don't know as much in American culture, but I remember when I was growing up, mental health is like it's not a thing. Like, mm. you're just being weak. Like, just toughen up.
0: Yeah, it's weakness. Exactly.
1: Just toughen up. That's
0: how it's perceived. You
1: know, life is tough. Just deal with it. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I need therapy. Because I need to talk to someone that is not my family, that knows way too much about me, mm-hmm. and it's not my friends who sometimes are just going to kind of enable the issue. Yeah. But I need a professional help. Yeah. I need someone that understands that my soul is made out of these three parts. I have my emotion. I have my will. I have my consciousness. And I need to sort these things out because mm. everything is messed up. Mm. And I started going to therapy. I've been going to therapy now for five years. Great. And they're like, oh my God, are you going through an issue? I'm like, actually, this is called maintenance, maintenance. before the issue comes. Yep. You know. Like and taking care of your car. Thank you. Changing the oil. That's it. You know. That's it. And I remember... The way that even I survived my first marriage was because of therapy. Mm. Because had it not been that, my PTSD was going to go through the roof. Yeah, And there were days that I just felt so depressed mm. that I just wanted to kill myself. Because mm. I did not... You, you could not tell me that I could get out of that. Because I did not see a way out of that. Yeah. Because I thought I got married... And for me, marriage is forever. Mm -hmm. How am I going to tell my parents? And then you start worrying about those likes. Oh, yeah. You're worrying about how your parents are going to think about it. Oh, my God. My dad. If I told my dad what this man has. And then my mom. And then my family in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And then my friends. And then he's so charming. Everybody thinks that he's so great. Everybody's going to think that I'm a liar. And and you're just caught in this whirlwind. And I will never forget that day that I was like, you know what? I love my parents. Mm -hmm. But if they don't understand what I'm doing, I don't need them either. Mm. I love my pack. If they don't even try to understand what I'm... I don't need them either. Mm. Because first and foremost, I need to be for me. Right. And I need to be Team Larissa. And I need to tell this man to get the hell out of my house. (laughs) Because I pay the rent. Right. You know? like. No, and I remember when I got to that point point being so liberated, and don't get me wrong, it was a lot of time after my divorce that I actually was able to get over my PTSD because it, I still have bouts of panic attacks every now and then if I get extremely overwhelmed, but I have learned to manage mm-hmm. so that it doesn't get so bad. Right. But there was a time that I could not drive like, the street where his mother lived, uh-huh. because that would give me anxiety. Right. Thinking that, oh my God, what if she's driving? What mm-hmm. if her car par- like stops next yeah. to me? And I'm like, what if he's there? Yeah. And what if he tries to like bring me back to this like terrible situation to this terrible whatever? Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! I and that would be enough to set me off. Yeah. And then I couldn't drive between on federal. I could not drive between 10th and Sample.
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: that's where he used work. And I used to think, oh my God, if I go there and he's there and if he sees me.
0: <gasps> Constant judgment, Constant.
1: guilt. And then one day, I remember my therapist turned around to me. She's like, Larissa, if he comes to you, if he sees you anywhere, what do you owe him? Mm. What do you owe him? You have a divorce paper? I mean, he already took all the money that he could. Mm-hmm. Like, what What do you owe him? And something else, if he comes close to you, just call the cops. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And it was something so... Sim- for everyone else, it was something so simple. Mm-hmm. But when you are at that heightened level of stress yeah. and anxiety, and you're up and down, and the- you don't see it. And if no. there isn't someone to be understanding and Mm non-judgmental. Listen, I don't need your judgment. Mm -hmm. I got parents for that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and I got myself first and foremost because I'm my toughest critic. I don't need that. Mm -hmm. Talk to me. Ask me questions, but don't judge me. Yeah. You know?
0: No, and it's it's true. I think um I think a lot of us find ourselves uh in our late teens, early twenties, thirties as you get older, we kind of get better at understanding who really cares. Absolutely. And you start to say no to the right people, you know?
1: And no is so liberating. No is the single two letters that are just going to change your whole entire universe. And I remember even saying no to my parents. Mm. And feeling so like, oh my God. Cause I, I, and it's not because I don't want to. Because mm. there are certain things that you literally cannot... But mm-hmm. you keep saying yes. Right. And you keep depleting your mental health. You keep depleting your health because you're pushing and pushing yeah. and pushing and pushing. And it comes to a point that you have given so much that you got nothing left. Mm-hmm. You got nothing left for them and you got nothing left for you.
0: And you're living your life for them.
1: Completely. And not
0: for yourself.
1: Completely. And listen. Love your parents. No. Do all, do honor, all the nice honor things. Honor
0: your parents. Exactly. Respect your parents. As you grow up. But.
1: But. <laughs> but Learn how to say no. Right. You know, there are times that if my mom needed something and I really couldn't because of work, Mm. I would feel terrible if I had to say no to her. Yeah. But I, I just couldn't. Yeah. And I felt that if I said no, she would be disappointed. And then one day I was just like, mom, I just can't Mm -hmm. like, no. And she's like, okay. And I was like, you cool. That's it. That's, that was all that was going to happen if I said, and of course there are people that if you say no to them. Yeah. It's the end of the world, but that's another indicator that you don't need them. Right. Because they are, they are orchids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we're like, said, but orchids are beautiful flowers. Orchids are parasites.
0: Fun fact. <laughs> Fun fact. Okay. I had no They idea. will
1: attach to a tree and suck the life out of it. Yeah. And that's how they live. They continue. Beautiful flowers. Wow. But they're sucking the life source out of somewhere else. And you look at it and you're just yeah. so focused on the pretty flower But that pretty flower is a parasite.
0: And we have that in our lives.
1: All the time. Gardening is my hobby on my spare time. Oh,
0: then you and Samantha. When it comes
1: to like my friends, like I'm always, I'm like, listen, it is not a matter of benefiting from people and Mm -hmm. always thinking about taking something back. Yeah. But relationships are give and take. So if I'm investing something and you're just taking from me all the time. Right. Please be aware that I'm going to cut you out, bro.
0: And I have a couple questions here. And um, one of them is from James. And he wants to know, like, for him, he's 19, 20. Uh, he said he was in college. But anyway, he's in college. And he's mm-hmm. like, how can I better prepare myself for my future wife?
1: Oh, my God. That is, like, the most beautiful question I've ever received my whole entire life. Because a lot of guys think that women are so complicated. And there's even this whole worldwide... Cultural belief that women are this like Rubik's Cube, yeah, and that you can never get all the colors in on one side, right? Okay, and I'm here to tell you that women want your time and your respect.
0: So, you would say to that like, Rubik's Cube guy, wrong, wrong, that's it. What <laughs> is time it? And respect. Time
1: and your respect, and respect, because at the end of the day, so women they feed off of what's given to them a lot right like we are very reciprocal kinds of beings Mm -hmm. and if you're a man Mm -hmm. and you don't separate the time for us Mm. then in our brain that translates into you don't care
0: and what about this because again uh i had another question here uh from another college student, ironically enough. And they both want to be anonymous, by the way. They don't want their That's names cool. being put out there That's asking fine. these types of vulnerable questions. Which
1: are totally honest and aren't the right questions. Right. Because if the majority of guys were to ask how do I prepare myself instead of which girl is the right one for you, yeah. then you will be better off. Yes. Because like, there's first of all, there are more women than men, so you're already in advantage in the whole entire world. Statistically speaking. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like there's tons of us.
0: Um, and so the
1: <laughs> take your pick, bro. Take your pick.
0: Um, in the second follow up question, this was more of a conversation. Mm-hmm. When you know, I I had reached out to some of my leaders. We put the, the posts out there, and I got some people I didn't know. And this one guy, we were talking a little bit. Um, I've gotten to know him a little bit. He's in college. He goes, look, in my last breakup, we constantly argued me and my girlfriend Mm -hmm. about I was always with her but she's like no but you're not really here
1: Mm -hmm. so here's here's the thing being in the same room with somebody does not mean you're together right so if she's watching tv Mm -hmm. and you're in the same room on your computer playing a game Mm -hmm. that is not you spending time with her
0: that's not quality time
1: that is not time Because you are doing one thing, Mm -hmm. and she's doing something else. Yeah. You're in the same room. You're not apart from each other, but you're not spending time together.
0: You know, and it brings me to my next question. This is a a college student uh, at FAU, and she wants to know, because she's been in a relationship now about four years. Pretty much all at college. It's a long time.
1: (laughs) It's a very long time.
0: She loves him, okay? But she just feels like his anger is growing and mm-hmm. he has a lot of problems with his father. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I want him to be the one. And he does come around, but it's in, it's in doses. How can she penetrate that?
1: Okay. So this one hits close to me. Mm. Like, home run. Because my ex-husband, he didn't have necessarily anger issues. Mm-hmm. He was like the passive aggressive type. Okay. But that all stemmed from his relationship with his father and all the Uh, problems that he had with his father. Yeah. And one of the things that I found out is unless that person Mm -hmm. chooses to deal with that problem, either seeks help Mm -hmm. or they're going to talk to you about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And this is going to sound so absolute. And Mm -hmm. I don't... It's not that everyone is this way, but a lot of times if he doesn't take the step to want to change or to work on that, yeah. there is nothing that she can do to penetrate that. And a follow up to this is mm-hmm. she cannot by any means hold herself responsible mm-hmm. for his willingness mm-hmm. to work on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because what happens a lot of times is she's going to think that maybe if I just do more mm-hmm. or if I am more this yep. or if I am more that or if I work hard on this, he will wake up magically one morning and realize that I am the woman of his dreams and he's not doing enough to keep me. Right. And this goes both ways for men and for women. Of course. You know, but baby girl, mm. he's unless he
0: mm-hmm.
1: wants to work on that behavior right one day whatever anger he has towards his dad yeah is going to be towards her because he is going to lose control mm-hmm. and a lot of times especially girls that are in like long relationships with people that have anger issues mm-hmm. they already know yeah they gaslight them all the time mm-hmm. everything they do is their fault mm-hmm. Uh, they can never do right by that man, right. But you believe that you love them so much mm-hmm. that the power that your love has for that person can change them. Right. But the thing is, you can you can't raise a man. right. You can raise a boy mm-hmm. but you cannot raise a man.
0: Yeah, he has to or she has to ha- like take on the willingness. And say, I want to get better. How is that any different than uh, somebody who's an addict? Oh, it's not. And living with them, right?
1: Exactly. Because
0: you can do all of the interventions, put them in rehab. If they don't want to get better. It
1: won't matter. It won't matter.
0: That was one of the first questions that was actually brought up to me by a therapist who I actually trusted quite a bit. One of his first questions, after we do the whole like, oh, who are you? Yes. Where are you from? <laughs> you know, talk to me. And it feels like a speed dating thing for a psychologist. <laughs> yeah. And um, he just goes, Jordan, um, do you want to be here? And I was like, well, uh, what? And in my head, I'm like, well, you know, my wife says I got a lot of unresolved things from my past and, you know, my whatever and this and that, fill in the blank. And he goes, okay, that's your wife. And that's your mom. That's um, like that's your brother. What do you want? Yep. And I remember really thinking at the time, like, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get better. Yeah. And I had to sit with that for a while
1: because that was your choice. It didn't matter that all these people that loved you mm-hmm. told you that there were issues that you had to resolve. You didn't care enough yeah. about you actually right. to do something about it because at the end of the day if he doesn't do something about that his life will always be a revolving door of girls of friends because his anger will get the best and some people are just not gonna put up with that right? right. and that is the biggest harm to him yeah. and if she allows herself to continue to be in that mm-hmm. it will just break her down more because then now she's carrying his issues right? Because eventually, listen, from my, at least from my experience, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: no matter how strong you are,
0: Mm.
1: eventually that other person's trauma starts spilling into your life. Right. And it starts changing things in you. Yeah. Because you're completely involved and you can't stop it because you think that you love them.
0: It's the orchid.
1: Exactly. Exactly, it's the organ. and they're literally pretty. Yeah, I wish he was the one.
0: Together, you guys look great.
1: Exactly, and I think that if he just could see what I see in him, mm. this would be wonderful. Yeah, but he's sucking the life out of you. Yeah, and he's going to continue to suck the life out of you. You got to
0: have healthy boundaries. Because if if he takes to. if he, and this is the thing to the the few. Uh, people who would ask those questions, the, the one college girl who's in a serious relationship, it sounds like, um, if she can have a serious conversation with this individual, her boyfriend, it sounds like a four years, and say, hey, can you want to do this for yep. your own? Because yep. I can't control you. I've tried. Yep. Right? Yeah. Um, if you're not able to do that, then...
1: And this is the thing. A lot of times in those kind of situations, I can almost guarantee you, That she's afraid of having that conversation with him.
0: Because she's afraid of him saying no.
1: Not only the no, but the reaction. Ah. And then the leaving. So she doesn't want to push because she doesn't want to lose him. But what would you be losing? If you are honest with yourself and you sit there and you think, okay, so this person has anger issues. Mm -hmm. When I need to discuss something with him, he's always blowing up in my face and he's always arguing with me. Right. I love him, but he's always hurting my feelings. Mm -hmm. What is he adding to your life? Yeah. Because I don't even see emotional comfort.
0: It might just be she's afraid to be alone.
1: Which then, now she needs to deal with her Mm -hmm. because that will empower her to take a step back and be like, okay, am I staying because I love him or am Mm. I staying because I can't be alone? Right. And it's hard to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, it's okay if the reason is that you're afraid of being alone, but you need to then think, okay, if I'm afraid of being alone, is this relationship worth this, all of this, the night's crying, the late night phone calls to my friends because he did it again. Right. Uh, Is it worth the whole process of the fight, the time apart, the ignore phone calls, and then the apology and the... Is your emotional health mm-hmm. that just whatever that right. you're okay with going through cycle after cycle after cycle of something that is detrimental to you, yeah because listen marriage is rough mm. okay you it's two people coming together,
0: mm-hmm. but it's
1: different when you fight to be together, right. It's,
0: the fighting, when you get married, the fights change.
1: Exactly. You're like having these arguments about like dumb things. Sometimes like, why didn't you wash the dishes, bro? Like, yeah. wash dishes. Yeah. Cooked, just wash the dishes. I cooked, just wash the dishes or put it in right. the washer. And
0: then you, it's always the, um, the, you always do this. And it's like, oh boy.
1: Okay. Should never in any kind of relationship, and I, and I mean parents, uh, friend, never and always... Should not be a part, unless it's in a positive sense. Yeah. Don't use it because I guarantee you, you're wrong. It's not always. Yeah. And it's not never. Right. There were instances that those people were not doing that thing. Yeah. But when you put that word, you are literally punching that person in the face.
0: I know. And saying in you're any kind of- always like this. Exactly.
1: And they're like, but I'm not. I know. Like, I know I do it. Often And it's so, but it's not always.
0: <laughs> when you get into a long-term relationship, it, it is interesting because you you have this thing where you see yourself in the argument from over here, and that person over here is kind of like, oh, you, oh, you're being really harsh, oh, oh, don't say that, and you, and yet you're so amped quick up. to anger, and you're amped up, oh, and yeah. you're and you're entering in right, and uh, it's just it's funny. Like you should definitely consider taking on this other graceful version of yourself and just kind of...
1: Not just that. I mean, uh, before, whenever he would start pissing me off
0: mm-hmm. with whatever was going on, mm-hmm.
1: and I know myself, I'm a person that if I need to blow up, I'm going to blow up.
0: Yeah. So I'm just going to read you what a mother had sent me mm-hmm. uh, this morning after seeing the post that uh, an attorney pro bono was going to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so this mother said... I think that what you and this attorney are doing is incredible, Uh, just thinking that there are people in our own backyard who want to help people like us, well, it makes me cry. I want to be anonymous here, but my kids grew up without a father, and I have had to play both mommy and daddy, and it is exhausting. I feel like I'm the bad guy constantly. What advice would you have for a parent in my situation?
1: So I will start with this disclaimer. I'm not a parent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> but my I guess my motherly instincts, I've I've wanted kids since I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. So premature. But um <laughs> I think from seeing some of my friends and what they have gone through with uh single parents' households, mm. don't feel guilty about being the quote unquote bad guy. Okay. Sometimes parents get caught, and I'm saying from a kid's perspective, Mm -hmm. parents Mm -hmm. get caught on like trying to be your friend, Mm -hmm. and then they're afraid that if they are your parent, they can't be your friend, and if they are your friend, they can't be your parent, right? And this whole like dichotomy of like, ah, but if, and I think you know, from just the words that she's she loves her children, Mm. and she's doing literally the best that she can with the cards that she has been dealt. Mm. If you're a strict mom and you're forcing them to do their homework and they think you're terrible because of that, or if you're not letting them go to, you know, the movies on the weekends because they have homework, or you don't allow them to go to that one friend's house because you, in your judgment, don't believe that that's a good influence in their life, don't feel guilty. Yeah. Because your child right now is Mm incapable of fully valuing what you're doing now. They might appreciate the hard work, but they don't have the capacity to understand Mm -hmm. the amount of energy, effort, both emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, that it is to raise a child. Right. They have no clue. They are the kid. Mm -hmm. And without that guidance from her, Mm -hmm. without her being the quote-unquote, you know, proverbial bad guy, Yeah, they have nothing after they turn 18. Yeah. You know, I remember when I was young, my mom was super strict. Mm -hmm. My parents, in general, were very strict parents. Yeah. They were not the, you know, as far as my brother and I were concerned, they were not the cool parents. They would (laughs) check Edline. I don't know if that's still around. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's still a thing. Oh, you know. Yeah. Catch up with the times. Where the grades go and stuff for students. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. My mom would be constantly on our grades. And if we didn't do what we're supposed to do, you best believe we lost privileges. Uh, My parents never really let us go and be hanging out at our friend's house all the time.
0: So why is that a good thing?
1: Because honestly,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'ma have all the time that I want to do whatever I want after I'm a legal adult. Yeah. Right now... I need guidelines Mm -hmm. because without those guidelines, I have no idea what it's how to even think about what (laughs) an adult is supposed to be. All I'm looking to are my parents. Right. So if I don't have a parent that sets the tone, like she feels guilty. Mm -hmm. Yes. But you're setting the tone Mm -hmm. for your kids to be able to choose success. Yeah. In their future. Mm. Because Parents also get caught up because they think that if their kids succeed or not in the future, it's all on them. Right. But let me tell you something. My mom did everything right. And mm-hmm. for a very long time, my brother and I were pains. Yeah. And we were difficult. Yeah. And we made my mom cry. But today, I'm like a successful attorney. Mm-hmm. You know, I make quote unquote good decisions in my life. Mm-hmm. Because the path that my parents set and the pattern that my parents set. Put me on to be empowered yeah. to make decisions.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because I just talked with a parent that has a, a son and two daughters. And she's like, you know, the father isn't really in the picture. When he is, he's still not really in the picture. He's not fully there. And she's like, I feel like one day they got to be cool, right? <laughs> and it's funny. I, I told her, I'm like, look... Let me just walk you through my past. I sound like I'm pretty nice, right? I'm a teacher. I'm a professional. And I'm very close with my parents. I'm very close with my mom. When I'm in New York and I visit with my mom, we go on walks and we talk. And we'll have hour-long conversations about the movie I just watched. And I know I was a pain in the you-know-what when I was 17. I will never forget this. Like you said, I I had strict parents, right? Right. Friends of mine knew that they wouldn't even ask me to go to certain things because they oh, just yeah. they knew what I was gonna say. It was gonna be a no. There's gonna be a no. And I was so my family and I watched Lost Together, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was the the series, the show about this like plane crash on an island, and uh it was the show to watch. And we would, as a family, watch it together. And I remember even at 17 being like, This is pretty cool. Yeah. Like
1: You w- might not say it. You might sit there and kind of look disinterested. Yeah. But you are appreciating because you're like, you know what? Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends don't have both their parents, but here we are on the Friday. Yes, I would rather be with my but my family's here and we're watching something together and you still remember it today.
0: And this, this is what I remember though. That was nice. And then something happened. I got a text and there was a thing going on at so-and-so's house. And my mom goes, oh, so-and-so's house where so like the parents are... And it's not good and there's no supervision like that house <laughs> with your friend who just quit all of his sports and is now failing school. And I was like, so I was like, mom, it's not like that. You know, and I'm working every angle. And my dad You're is all- being
1: so judgmental, mom.
0: So my dad's pretty quiet. and He's just watching this whole thing unveil. And I'll never forget this. I pushed her, I pushed her, I pushed her. I'm like, this is so unfair. I have all these grades. I've been working my butt off. It's the weekend. Like, just let me go. And she got, after, I mean, I was doing this for like 20 minutes. Even my brothers were like, what is going to happen? (laughs) She went over to the flowers that we got her for that uh, weekend. I think it was, I don't know if it was Mother's Day. And she messed up the flowers. And she said, fine, go. And went upstairs. And I remember my dad looking at me being like, are you happy? Are you happy? And I said, I don't even know what I said. I was 16, so I was just like, whatever. And I started to leave and walk there, and I was like, I don't even care. I don't even care. These friends don't even like me. And I went home. I apologized. It took until the next day that she was like, there's a reason why I say no, okay? And if I could say anything to, like, a parent, it'd be, you're going to be bargaining with the future version of that kid who will be your friend.
1: Oh, yeah. And not only that, I think one of the things that I will say today that I wish my parents had done back then. And mostly my mom, cause my dad was pretty good at like, I can count on my hands how many times my dad like spanked me when I was little, mm. but he was so funny because he would sit there and he would explain to me, he would like call me over mm-hmm. and he'd be like, so I told you not to do this and this and this mm-hmm. and you broke a rule mm-hmm. and it would be unfair if I did not punish you mm. because then you wouldn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't respect the rules. At that point, you just bend over. You know, like, yeah. you're like, I deserve it because you told me not to do it. But with my mom, like, I couldn't, I never knew what exactly I did. I was like, oh, my God, I'm just getting hit. I don't know like, what I did.
0: Mm-hmm. And the as, I got,
1: as I got to high school, my parents would always say no, 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 no. no. And, yeah, you build that anger because you're like, but my friends are doing it. And their mom's letting them do this. And the one thing, the one thing that I would change is I wish my mom or my dad would have had more conversations with me about why they're saying no.
0: I think, you know what? It's so funny Um, because I brought this up in a lecture and I think I was at Palm Beach State and it was a roundtable discussion and it was like all 20, 21-year-olds and we're getting into the root of when we talk about mental health and we get to like where it's rooted in and we talk a lot about family communication. And I was like, how many of you have dads that sat you down and said, look, um, this is why this needs to happen. Uh-huh. Okay. And I love you. And I'm going to put these boundaries in order and guidelines. So exactly. if you cross that line, this is what happens because exactly. in life, that is what is going to happen. And I remember the room just being like, nope. <laughs> I was like, how, how many of you had dads that just said, cause I'm the boss. And then they just go turn turn the lights off, saying they're not made of money, exactly, <laughs> or whatever dads do.
1: It's my house. I pay the bills. When you live in your own house and you pay your own rent, then you can set your own rules. And you're like, that could have made more sense if there was more context. While we're talking, what does me going out with my friends have to do with the bills being paid? Yeah. Well, what does that? Have What's to do with the, the light's correlation? On? Like why? And I remember my dad like always having that kind of situation that mm-hmm. he will talk. I never escaped the beating, right. but it made sense.
0: And you know, it's funny. We see some of these, some of these kids choosing relationships that are precarious, oh, dangerous, okay. and not healthy. No. And then you look at their relationship with their, with their parents yep. and what that's like. Absolutely. You know? Um, I read somewhere that for some dads, it's very important to date your daughters, which I was like, oh, that's weird. And then I read it and I was like, oh, that's not weird at all. Yeah. Not weird at all.
1: For girls, their dad is their first male relationship that they will ever have in their life. Like, that's... Their whole love map is created there. And for guys, I remember... I don't know how it is here, but in Brazil, people always say, like... You know how a man will treat you according to how they treat their mom. Mm. Like pay attention to how that guy treats their mom because that will be a telltale sign about how they're going to treat you because that's their love map yeah you know
0: that's important
1: and when you look at that there are a lot of guys that don't care about their moms don't care about their mom's feelings don't care about if they hurt her i'm like you know what you are not gonna make a good husband because you are a sucky human being
0: (laughs) you're an orchid
1: exactly
0: don't be an orchid (laughs) be like a sunflower one of these things have your own
1: roots man what what,
0: what are these (laughs) have your own roots don't take other people's roots exactly